Have you ever felt that you were a few bricks short of a load? Like on a certain particular day, you didn't have it all together? On those days, what happens? Well, the whole day gets messed up, right? And we look back on it like, oh man, what just happened there? Well, the same is true for the church. While the church is made up of a lot of different parts, bricks, if you will, members of the body, the Bible tells us that we're all members of one body. We're all parts of the whole body of Christ. And in, and in that picture, we're to function together, right? As a body functions together, we are to function together in community with the other members of the body. But what happens often is that doesn't necessarily happen, right? We don't function together. We don't have it all together. And so things kind of fall apart at times. Well, as we continue our series here tonight, Church on the Move, and we've been looking at the book of Acts, we've been seeing what a church on the move looks like, one thing is clear, and that is that God wants his church to move forward. Amen? Do you believe that? God wants his church to move forward. He wants us to be a church not sitting still, not going backwards. He wants us to be a church that is moving forward, accomplishing the mission that he has given us. And we looked at that last time, this matter of making disciples. And so that's our mission. We say it here. We say it something like, Life Path Church exists to help people find life in Jesus and follow his path in life. What are we talking about? We're talking about making disciples who make disciples. That's what we're talking about. That is our mission. And and that's what we see the early church doing. They were making disciples. And as they worked together in community, man, God was was moving. The church was moving. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, look what happens. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. In one day, the church grew by 3,000 people. The church was on the move. The mission was on the move. God was moving. The Spirit was moving through them. In Acts 2.47, it says, Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. In chapter 4, in verse number 4, it says, But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So if you're doing the math here, right, 120, then 3,000 more got saved. We don't know how many in between that, but, but the church in Jerusalem has very quickly grown to over, probably over 10,000 people at this point. This one only counted the men, 5,000 men. So we know that there are women and, and children in that number as well. In chapter 5 and verse 14, it says that the believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. In chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, in those days, the disciples were increasing in number. In chapter 6 and verse 7, the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What's going on? outsiders were coming in right people were being saved disciples were being made what's going on here the church is on mission moving forward and as the church as new people came in as disciples were made converts came into the church right and they, were, they began being taught, right? They began immediately functioning as a community. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to go to chapter uh, 2, verses, uh, verse 42 and, and following, to look at how a church functions in community. A church on the move functions in community. So look at verse number 41. We'll start there. It says, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Okay, new believers added to them. That is, they were added to the body. They were added to the church, the disciples of Christ. And what comes next shows us how immediately they began functioning together as a community. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. Now all the believers were together. They held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. And verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound exciting? Doesn't that sound like a church that is alive, a a church that is healthy, a a church that is on the move for God, on the move, doing God's mission? It does. That's what it sounds like to me. And what I want us to look at tonight, what I see here, I think that there are some basic areas that a church must function in community if we are going to be a church on the move, right? So here it is, number one. First thing here, if we're going to be a church on the, on the move, we have to function in community in this first area, and that is shared communion. Shared communion. What's going on in verses 42 through 43? Look at your Bible there. What's going on? They're devoted to what? They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to fellowship. They're devoted to breaking bread and to prayer. You see what's going on? The church is devoted as a community to gathering together, to come together for what? Well, the first thing they come together is to learn God's word together. The apostles' teaching. What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching what Jesus had taught them. And what the Spirit of God was teaching them. John 14, Jesus told them before he went to heaven that the the counselor's going to come, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to remind you of what I told you, and he's going to teach you all things. Everything Jesus wanted them to teach, the Holy Spirit of God was giving them to teach. So the apostles' teaching was the word of God. They were teaching the the commands of Christ. The mission of the church is to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then doing what? Teaching them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded us. So they're doing what Jesus commanded. They're coming together to learn God's word. Look, I believe that a church on the move has to be, ought to be a Bible-centered church. Amen? It's got to be Bible-centered. It's got, the word of God has to have a primary place uh, in our gathering time. And that's why we, we take 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes, 45, sometimes I get long-winded and it's an hour, but, but we, we open the word of God <coughs> and we learn the Word of God. We have the Apostles' teaching today. It's right here. This is the Apostles' teaching. This is the, the inspired Word of God, right? In the Old Testament, we got the prophets uh, and their prophecies and, and the, the Word of God that was inspired to them. In the New Testament, we have the Apostles' teaching. So that's what we're doing here tonight. We're opening up the Word of God. We're gathering together to learn the Word of God. Here's what I want to encourage you. Whenever we come together, whenever the church gathers together, first of all, be here so that you can learn the Word of God. And then listen to the Word of God. And then always walk away with something to do with what you have just heard. Amen? Right? Maybe it will help you to take notes. Maybe, uh, and by the way, you can go to lifepath.church. You can click on the first link and there's notes there. You can actually take notes there and then email you your notes. But maybe that will help you be engaged and learning. But, but as we gather together and as we open the Word of God, have the kind of heart and mind that says, you know what? I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow in my understanding, my knowledge, so that I can grow in my obedience to the Word of God. God. Amen? They're devoted to learning God's word. They're also devoted to gathering with God's people 
says there, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. The word fellowship there means to share, to hold in common. That's what they were doing. We, boy, they were, they were together a lot. They were together perhaps more than we could stand nowadays. Like every day they were together. Different culture, right? A different time. Uh, this was a different setting. Nowadays we, we can get in our car so we can come from everywhere and, and, and land here in one spot. They, they, they walked. So they were all within walking distance of each other, right? So community was, was different back in those days. And you, you throw into that persecution and and, and the fact that they were being ostracized in many cases from society, it was really necessary for them to be together all that that, that became, the church became their family. And, and in many cases, it's still that way, right? The church becomes our family, our closest gathering of friends, our brothers and sisters. But they're gathering together. And as they gather together, they're learning God's word. They're fellowshipping with one another. They're sharing their lives with one another. They're interacting with one another. And the idea goes deeper than just like, <coughs> hi, how you doing, right? It's a deeper level of interconnectivity that we find in the early church. And what I want to encourage us to do as a church is to, is to go beyond just the the kind of impersonal awareness, you know, just the, the walk into the room and, and you see other people and we have a little greet time and, and that's great. We're just trying to get you to interact a little bit. But what I want to encourage you to do is get to know folks even at a deeper level than that, right? And I know many of you do. Many of you are, are really close friends. But, but look around the room and, and find someone you don't know and, and make it your priority to get to know that person. Learn about their needs. Learn about what challenges are going in their life, how you can pray for them. I think all of that is involved in sharing our lives with one another. It's easy when a church is small, isn't it? Man, we had some great home fellowships, uh, gatherings over the last month. Uh, we, had a, we had a huge group at our house uh, last Saturday night. Uh, Brianna afterwards said, Dad, I felt like a stranger in my own house. There were so many people there, I couldn't move. And, and uh, you know, that was, I was like, yeah, wasn't that exciting? That was great. But, you know, even when we have a packed out kind of house like that crowd, <coughs> it's still a lot easier to get to know people in a small church. What's going to happen as new people come in? As the church grows because new people are always coming in you know when we open our doors to the community new people are going to come in and we have to be the ones who open our arms and embrace newcomers and and extend the arm of fellowship to them right right we have to be that way rather than having like what are you doing I'm sitting in my seat you know what what do you what okay you show up now that we have a building you know, where were you last year? <laughs> where were you 10 years ago? No, that's not the attitude we're to have. We're, we're, to, we're to embrace the, the new and the old, right? Those of us who have been around a long time, as, as well as those who walk in the door for the very first time. But that church, man, they were, they were close. They, they were devoted to fellowshipping with one another, breaking bread with one another. And then we see also they were devoted to seeking God's face together. What are they doing? They're praying. <coughs> They're praying. Throughout Acts, we see the church gathering together for prayer. We just had a, a, a brief time of prayer together. A couple weeks ago, we had a, a praise and prayer service. We prayed in a station, and then we sang a song, and then we prayed in a station, we sang a song. We're going to do that again. And we're, we, we prayed over the last couple weeks in our home gatherings. The early church, they were devoted to prayer. And I believe to be a church on the move, that we could do it, you know, by, by, by lifting ourselves up by our bootstraps, or we could do it as a people of prayer. Which, which is the right way to do it, right? It is. And so, man, as we come together, 
And as we break up into groups and, and we pray, let's, let's not think of that, that as, you know, we're just filling some time here. No. No. This is important for us to gather and to pray together. I really believe that when the church comes together, I believe that God has ordained <coughs> that the corporate pray, praying of a church to have a mighty impact when God's people come together and ag agree together in prayer, that that can have a mighty, mighty impact in our church and in our community. Do you believe that? Let's believe that with all of our heart and let's pray like that. That, that. that our prayer, our time together, not because of our prayers, not because of our words, because of how awesome and how able God is. Right? We're praying to a God who can do the impossible. Amen? And so we're lifting up these needs. We're, we're bringing our requests before him. And, and, and you'll notice that, that on, these, on these prayer requests, I put a blank at the bottom of each one now. Because there's other things that, that perhaps the Spirit of God would put on your heart, right? It's not listed there, but when you think about that particular need, oh yeah, but what about, what about what, what's coming to my mind? I need to pray for that as well. You think about our church, and boy, there's been some sickness going through the, the church the last couple of weeks. There's been sickness, and, and uh, there's been some, some suffering going on inside the church. Various, it just seems like it was kind of widespread uh, there for a bit. But thank God that we can pray for one another, amen? Are, are you part of our online Facebook prayer group? If you're not, I encourage you to be a part of that. If you, if you want help joining that, let me know. I can help you uh, join that. But, but that is a place where you can post prayer requests. for. It's a closed group. Not everybody in the world is going to see it. Just those who are in the church. You can post prayer requests. You can see prayer requests of, of other people in the church. And that can help us be a church that prays for one another. But they gathered together. And when they did, they fellowshiped together. They learned the word of God together. They prayed together. They did other things. They sang together. They did other things. They served together. They did other things. But they did it in community. Amen? They did it in community. So shared, first of all there, shared communion. Shared communion. They devoted themselves to, I got a bottle up here. Thanks, Rick. They devoted themselves to the Lord. Listen, if Jesus... If this, what we do together as a church, isn't about Jesus Christ, if it doesn't flow out of a love, a devotion for God, then how are we any different from a church that perhaps teaches a false gospel, right? If it's not about a love for God, a devotion to Jesus Christ and, and a desire to, to know him and to love him and to obey him and, and that others in our community would, would come to know him and love him and obey him, right? What are we doing if that's not the mission, if that's not what we're doing here? So it has to begin with a shared communion devotion to God. Amen. We do that when we gather, but probably more importantly, it's important that we have a communion every day with the Lord. Amen. I don't think what we do, let me say, put it this way, I don't think what we do when we gather here can replace what you do with the Lord in your own communion with God every day. This can't replace that. Let me also say that what you do in your own communion with God every day can't replace this. Did you hear me? Right? This can't replace that, and that can't replace this. God has a place for, for our, our personal walk with him, but he has put us as members of his body, and when we gather together, it's all about Jesus Christ, our devotion to him. And so we come together, we sing to him praises, we, we love on him, we pray to him, we, we learn his word together in community. Amen? So there's shared communion. Secondly, there's shared cooperation. And as you look at these verses here, <coughs> notice all the plural nouns and all the pronouns in here, the plural pronouns that are used in these verses. 
just scan down through there. There's 14 different uses of plural nouns and pronouns and phrases that are used in those verses. 14 different uses of them. You see them? They devoted themselves. Every, everyone was filled with awe. All the believers, right, plural, were together. They sold their possessions. They devoted themselves to meeting together. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. You get the picture? What are they doing? They are cooperating as a unit. You see it? Look at chapter 4 and verse 32. It says, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind. You see the cooperation? There's not contention. There isn't any competition going on. It is cooperation. They're all moving together with one heart, one mind, one, as one body. What, what's being talked about there? Here's what's going on. There's unity in their community, right? There's unity in their community. All the believers in Christ, and this is what we see in the scripture, right? Unity is the state of oneness. It's the state of harmony. And what we find in the New Testament is that as Christians, as Christ fathers, we are all united together in Christ. I mean, here in, in Acts, in the early part of Acts, it's the, the Jews coming together in Christ. Those who are strangers and aliens, they, they came together in one body. And then as it progresses through the book of Acts, now we see Gentiles and Greeks coming into the fellowship. And boy, that created a stir. But, but God b- brought them all together. Jesus brought them all together into one body. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed that... For all, for all those, for his disciples and all those who would believe throughout all the ages, he said that they would, might all be made one. Just as you, my Father, and I are one. So church, the unity that we have as a body reflects the unity that Jesus has with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. It's a reflection of our God. We are to function as God functions, as a community in unity. Jesus is the one who unites us. Ephesians 5.30 says it plainly. We are members of His body. Right? We are members of His body. Whether you feel like it or not, And sometimes we don't feel like it. But whether we feel like it or not, every one of us is a part of Christ's body and therefore united with every other believer. Not just in this room, not just as Life Path Church, but with every believer. This is is the visible part of it. This is is the, the church as I believe Jesus means it to be spoken of in as you look through the new testament it's really hard to practice the one another's with christians you've never met should i say this it's even harder to practice them with christians you have met <laughs> right it's impossible to to practice the one another's with 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 all the christians in the big c church but man it's still hard to practice all the one another's right here in the small c church to love one another pray for one another admonish one another encourage one another all the the various one another's but that is what we are to do and we're to do it in unity now, now what is unity it's oneness it's harmony but listen it's not uniformity we don't all have to be just alike Can I hear a collective sigh of relief? Oh, good. It's not not uniformity. We don't have to have all the same likes and dislikes. We don't have to, you know, all prefer the same food, have like the same foods. If we're all going to go out to eat, we we don't have to all have the exact same palate. We're we're different, right? We, We don't have the same gifts, Right? 
We, we, we think differently often uh, in times. Oftentimes we have even differences in, in how we view Scripture, certain Scriptures. We may have a, a slightly different or a majorly different theological system that, that we see in Scripture, that, that someone else in the body sees it differently. It doesn't mean uniformity, but yet we are still to be united. Amen? So Jesus called for this. He prayed for this. And so what, what Paul tells us is that we are to make, this is Ephesians 4.30, we are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Mark that down in your Bible. We are to make every effort to keep the peace. Every effort. Every effort. You know, how important that is for our mission. Have you ever walked in the middle of a church fight? You know, if, if when the world comes in the church, when guests come into the church, it's almost like a kid. You know how kids can pick up when mom and dad are at odds with one another, right? They have a little antenna. And no matter how hard you might try to keep your conversations quiet and private and try to, you know, have your, your conversation about the disagreement, it's almost like they hear those conversations, but they don't hear like, hey, take out the trash. You know, they, they can't hear those things, right? You know what I'm talking about? How, how quickly they pick up on the disunity. That's how it is for guests. That's how it is for the world, a church that is fighting has a terrible reputation in the community. Our mission depends upon our ability to have unity in the church. I love what Warren Wiersbe said about this. He said, the lost world cannot see God, but they can see Christians. And what they see in us is what they will believe about God. If they see love and unity, they will believe that God is love. If they see hatred and division, they will reject the message of the gospel, right? Don't you believe that? And so for us to be a church that cooperates together and we pursue peace, we pursue unity in the church that is so vital to us moving forward, to us being a church on the move. And so Paul gives us, I'll just give you these quickly. Paul spells it out for us. What what we need if we're going to be a, a people that walk in unity. This is Ephesians chapter 4. I don't know if I have. Do I have that scripture? <clears throat> Do I have it up there? There it is. Paul gives us five different Christ-like qualities that are necessary for, for us to, rem, to maintain unity. Now listen, I'll say this. Not only is it, are these qualities necessary to maintain unity in a church, they're also necessary for you to maintain unity in your home, in your marriage, in your workplace, right? These five uh, characteristics, qualities, are essential for you. So write them down quickly. I won't take a whole lot of time to describe them. The first one is humility, right? See it there? Verse number two. Well, verse number one is, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the Lord, of the calling that you have received with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, right? So do you see them there? Number one, it's humility. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? Proverbs says that contention only comes from pride. You know what pride does, right? As soon as we start thinking that that we're more important, that our needs are more important, that our opinions are more important, that, that our ideas are more important, that our preferences are more important, and pride enters into the picture, oh man, now you, now you have division, right? Now you have a church fight on your hands. Now you have a fight at home on your hands. But man, if we walk in humility, boy, how that lends itself to us having unity together the second one he mentions there do you see it verse two with all humility and what gentleness 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 has to do with considering others forfeiting your own rights 
And too often, we only think of ourselves, and and that attitude creeps into the church. Oftentimes, professing Christians are harsh and rude. Well, how's that going to help keep the unity? It's not. It's, It's destructive. But Jesus was gentle and lowly of heart, and we're to reflect the gentleness of our Lord Gentleness is, is that fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace. Um, what's next? Uh, patience. And then kindness and gentle. Gentleness is in there, right? It's in there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When we walk in the Holy Spirit, we will be gentle. And so when you find yourself not being very gentle with your spouse... When you find yourself not being very gentle with your children, when you find yourself not being very gentle inside the church with someone who's kind of stepped on your toes or or sat in your seat or whatever, you know, just here's what you have to think. I'm not walking in the Spirit right now. So it goes through my mind when I've just kind of been like a bull in a china shop, you know. No fruit of the Spirit there. That's, That's the work of the flesh. Man, the flesh will destroy unity in a church or in a marriage, in a family, in no time flat. We need gentleness. We need patience. That's the third one, right? That has to do with bearing up with the the other people's shortcomings and faults and weaknesses. You know, newsflash. We all have faults. We all have weaknesses, right? Every last one of us do. We have quite a number of them if we're if we're honest but when we're patient when we're patient we when we're patient with those who disagree with us we can maintain we can make an effort to maintain unity in the church if the spirit of christ dwells in us he fills us with patience too the fourth one is love bearing it says there making a uh, verse 2 bearing with one another in love literally put up with each other in love with love put up with each other sometimes that's the only way you're going to have unity in your home is just by putting up with somebody else when there's a disagreement or when they've kind of done the thing that just kind of bothers you for the 30th time in one day you just put up in love not a, huh, all right, have your way. That's not with love. That's, <laughs> with love, put up with one another. Man, if we do that, boy, it, it makes that effort for there to be unity in the church. And then the last one is zeal, making every effort, right? There's a, there's a sense of eagerness, an eagerness. Like, like it's so important for us that we're eager, we, we eagerly pursue this matter of unity. Here, I want to let you in on a little secret. The things that we think threaten unity in the church. What are some things that could threaten unity in the church? I mentioned a couple a few minutes ago. What, what are some things that can threaten unity in the church that we would maybe be concerned about? Can I, you have one to th- bring up? Yeah. Seats, all right. Seats, right? Okay. Well, fortunately, there's plenty of seats, so we don't have we don't have to do a whole lot of that. But but the day will come, right? There you go. All right. What else? Gossip. Okay. Yeah, boy, that that can really be threaten. The unity of a church. Different ways of doing things. Disagreements. What kind of, I mean, how would we ever disagree? The direction of the church. Music. I didn't hear that. That's a big one. Right? Bible translation. Dress. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, how, how, short your hair should be, you know, how long your hair should be. I mean, all these sorts of things that that we could disagree with. Not even to bring up things like politics. Oh my goodness. You know, you start talking about politics and with with some, you know, of course, not here, but I mean in other, 
I've seen it happen in a, at other times. But, but boy, how politics, man, that can just, it's like throwing a powder keg in the church, you know? Here's what I want you to know. That, that these things that we think, we think, man, that's a, that could threaten our unity. Here's what I want us to understand, is that those things that we think are a threat to our unity are actually opportunities for us to cultivate these Christ-like qualities. Right? You get in a, a political conversation, you know what? You, you, you now have an opportunity to cultivate some humility, some gentleness, <laughs> some patience, right? You get into a conversation about some deep dive into some scripture and you, you're absolutely certain that you're right and they're wrong and, and it's the other way around coming from the other guy. Listen, that's the perfect opportunity to, practice, to develop, let the Spirit develop some humility and gentleness and patience and, and to give you an opportunity to make an effort, some zeal, Right? Some eagerness toward maintaining the unity. So we don't have to look at conflict as, you know, as terrible. We need to look at as, here's our opportunity. Think about it. When you're driving down the road, you don't need much patience when the roads are clear. Right? When nobody's in your way. It's when the roads are crowded. You don't need much patience when you're in Walmart and you're trying to get through and, and there's nobody in the self-checkout, but when there's a line that's 20 people long and there's 30, wit- there's 30 checkout things and only one of them's open, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to rip my hair. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? And you know what? That's just an opportunity to develop that Christ-like quality of patience. I hate that because I get so many opportunities to practice that. You know why? Because God knows I need it. Do you? You follow me? These qualities are absolutely essential. You want to have unity in your home? Pray. Pray over these. Pray for the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit in your life. And when you see anything, those works of the flesh show themselves in your life, hate that, repent of that, turn from that, and come back to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to say that. I want to be Christ-like. Would you produce your fruit in my life? You see, that's what we see going on in the early church. Now, conflict came later, and boy, they sure had, they, were, they, they found it a challenge at times. We'll get to that, I think, next week, a little bit in chapter 6. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Amen. Well, I'm almost out of time. Let me give you the last one. It's shared contribution. Because as you work back down, back in Acts chapter 2, 44 and 45, we see that the believers that are together, they hold all things in common. They're selling their possessions and property, and they're distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What's going on there? What's this talking about? Well, they shared. They shared. They gave. They were generous with their resources they contributed to the needs of people the needs of the body right of christ and they did so sacrificially they weren't hoarding what was theirs they were distributing what was theirs notice it was how many times the word all is used in that ver in those two verses it's used three times there it was all of them being generous with all they had they weren't given because they had to This was voluntary. Nobody was forcing them. There was no command for them to do this. And there's no command for us to do this. But there's simply, we see that they were willing to give of what they had and to do it generously. They gave because they wanted to. This too was Christ-like, right? The Bible tells us that Jesus gave himself. He sacrificed himself for us. 2 Corinthians 8 9 tells us that he was rich, but he became, for our sake, he became poor so that by his poverty we might become rich. Amen? Jesus gave himself. Who would know better about giving than Jesus? And here's what he said. This is Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give 
than to receive. This can be hard for us. And I think possibly it's because we have so much by way of possessions, far more than people had back in, in this day. We have so much. We have all of these different comforts. And for some unexplainable reason, it seems like the more we have, the more we want. And it seems like the more comforts we have, the more we want to protect our comforts. And we're afraid of losing our comforts. And we become wrapped up in trying to protect and secure more and more and protect more and more of what we have. And that's a struggle. Paul tells us in that same chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he tells us that the churches in Macedonia were like this early church. That they gave of themselves. They generously contributed, though they were extremely poor. How did they do that? Well, Paul says in verse 8, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. I think that's the key. I think the key is that as as long as we're selfish with our lives, we're going to be selfish with everything else. The key is, is that we give ourselves to the Lord. And when, when we have a shared communion, right? When we have that devotion to Christ and we love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and we're together com- committed and devoted to Jesus, and, and we come together, we commune in Him, we give ourselves to Him, that, that when He has us, our things we just willingly give as God leads us to give. Instead of saying, what I have is mine, these people said, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. Right? And so I, I think that, that a church on the move is, first of all, generous with, their, with our material goods. Generous. They were generous. And we find generosity all throughout the Bible. You go into the Old Testament and how generous the people were at the building of the the tabernacle, right? And they weren't just generous materially, right? They 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 as they left Egypt, they got gold and silver right from the Egyptians and then they gave that uh, much of that for the building of all the different articles in the in the tabernacle. But you see that they, they not only are generous with their material goods, but they're also uh, generous with their gifting, right? Their spiritual gifting, if you will. They use their talents and their abilities uh, that, that, they, that God had given them and, and those abilities that they had uh, learned and developed in their own lives, and they use that for God's glory. They use that in the work of God for the work that God was doing amongst his people. And that translated into the New Testament. What are we saying here? Well, I believe to be a church on the move, if we're going to move forward, that we have to not only have this heart of communion toward God and this, I, I, this heart to cooperate, but we have to have a heart that is willing to contribute, to give of what we have. And we have more than just resources, don't we? We have time. We have energy, we have abilities, we have spiritual gifts, and that, as, that we would be generous with our time, that we would be generous with our spiritual gifts, that we would contribute to the body of Christ. That's what, the early, that's what they're doing in the early church. They are all doing their part. You've heard the story about everybody, somebody, anybody, nobody, right? Have you heard it? There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Right? And really, if we would just have the heart to contribute, to do our part, what part can you do? What part can you have in the church moving forward. Your material possessions, your spiritual gifts, your energy, your abilities, your know-how. Can I encourage you to be generous in helping the church move forward? Amen? What happened? 
Look at the end of Acts. Look at the last couple of verses here, Acts chapter 2. It says in verse 46, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Don't you love that? These people are in the midst of persecution and hardship, and yet they're joyful. They're joyful. There's joy in their hearts. And in verse 47, they're praising God. They're enjoying favor with all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You see what's going on? What's going on? The church is moving forward. The mission is moving forward. People are being saved. Disciples are maturing. Ministry is being done. They are impacting their community. They're impacting the next generation. And church, the reality of it is, is that we're sitting here tonight, a part of a church that you can trace all the way back to these people, these disciples in Jerusalem at that particular time. hundred years from now, we're all going to be gone. I don't mean to make a crazy assumption, but would you agree? Right? We're all going to be gone. We're all going to... I hope we're all in heaven. That's where I hope we all are. What's going to matter then? What's going to matter then? Right? Think about that. What's going to matter? I was reminded this, this last... When I, well, when I was in Florida, in fact, I was talking to Kathy about this. Kathy and I had the same alma mater, Tennessee Temple University, and, and I, I was showing her some pictures before because our alma mater, I, uh, while I was on vacation, uh, Chauncey Good, which is an auditorium, I have pictures. I meant to put them up on the screen for you tonight. I have pictures of Chauncey Good Auditorium jam-packed with people, like jam-packed. Like it's an old black and white and it's just a sea, I vet, there's a balcony, it's a huge auditorium, just completely jammed. There's no place to sit or stand in that, it's jam-packed, right? You picture that in your head. And the, the, the souls that were saved there and the lives that were changed there, well, last June, just a couple of weeks ago, the place burnt down, like burnt to the ground. Terrible fire, this and... and and I follow a couple Facebook uh, groups that are temple alumni, and, and they were, you know, people were weeping and crying. I mean, it was a, a big boo-hoo, you know, and, and rightfully so. A lot of, a lot of memories are, are in those buildings. But here's what, it, here's what it reminded me of. And that is, you know what? A hundred years from now, 200 years from now, 500, it, it's all going to burn up, right? We're building a building over here. It's not going to last forever. But you know, as I looked at that picture of that sea of faces in there, probably a lot of those people are gone now. But I dare say that probably the vast majority of them aren't burning. They're probably with the Lord. You see, buildings burn down. Disciples don't. Right? Disciples don't burn. Disciples go on to heaven. Right? And so, what am I trying to say? Look, the church moving forward isn't, hey, let's build a building, let's just play church. No, it's let's do the mission. Let's make disciples of Jesus Christ. Why? Because disciples don't burn. The building's going to burn down one day. It's probably going to, who knows what's going to become of the building 100 years from now, 50 years from now. I don't know. But I know that what God wants us to do as a church is he wants us to do the mission that he called us to do. How are we going to do that? We've got to be devoted to Jesus. We've got we to be serious about our communion with Jesus Christ. And we have to come together and cooperate together in unity. And all of us contribute together. If we do that, in the spirit, by the Spirit of God, I believe, I don't care how small of a church we are, I believe that God can do something mighty because He's God. He's God. And so, are you in? Are you in? Would you pray as you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you pray and say, Lord, what about it? How's my communion, my cooperation, my contribution? How about your communion? Do you find yourself in close communion with the Lord personally? 
the closer you are in your communion with Christ personally, the better your communion will be in the learning as we gather together and the praying, right? The, the, the better it is when we're together, right? You follow that? If we don't have communion with Jesus outside this room, what kind of communion are we going to have when we get in here? You see what I'm saying? It, it really builds off of our own personal communion with, with Christ. How is your communion with Christ? How about cooperation? I don't believe, I don't sense that we have any division in our church. We've had it in the past, but I don't sense that we do. That doesn't mean that we can't have a disagreement or two. We're going into a building project, man. (laughs) It's going to be, I don't know, we're going to disagree about something, the color of the chairs, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we're going to be the first church to get through a building program without any disagreements. Let's, Let's strive to be that first church, right? But but we're, we're, we're going to, will we have zeal make every effort to keep the unity and not let the devil use something silly to break us up and to divide us and, and get us at odds? And then contribution. How's your contribution? I, I, w- I would dare say this. If, if, you, don't, if you don't feel like uh, Life Path Church is a church that you can contribute, give of yourself, your spiritual gifts, your material goods, if you don't feel like Life Path Church is a church that you can give a contribution to, then I would encourage you to find a church that you can. Find that church and contribute there because I think every believer should be a contributor in their church. So, I, and I say that genuinely. Find that church if it's not this one. But if it is this one, let's ask God to help us to be generous with our time, our resources, as contributors to see God's church move forward. Father, thank you 